What's up, Laker fans? And, well, general NBA fans, if you're not just a Lakers fan, uh, you're all welcome here. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Strive for Legacy podcast. My name is Dolos, and I got my co-host, Rose, here with me today. And we are here to mainly react to, to last night's game, specifically the Lakers' Game 2 win against Phoenix to tie that Series 1-1. It was a really exciting, phenomenal game. Rose, let me know how you're feeling about that game, too. I'm feeling great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of crazy how you manifest something in the previous pod <laughs> and it happens. You yeah. know, we both manifested like the most random things. I manifested Markeith minutes. You manifested mm-hmm. Marcus all finally playing. Yeah. Both of those things happen. Markeith playing was a more surprising one, but both yeah. of that happened and, you know, we might need to get hired by the Lakers because they won, and there's there's a direct correlation there. Mm-hmm. It's not just causation. So, I I do I'm have to admit, happy. like as the Gasol minutes were, they were mixed, and we can get into that a bit later. Um, one of my other suggestions to end last podcast was to try and trap Booker more. We saw a bit more mm-hmm. of that in this game too, and it it didn't work. <laughs> so it didn't work all that well. Phoenix managed to to find the right pass, make the right play out of those doubles a lot of the time. Uh, Cameron Payne, point guard general, oh, was man. a huge that part of hilarious. that. He was he was killing us, drilling shots from deep, making the right reads, getting into the lane, penetrating. He was doing everything right. Um, but you know, really, I really want to start this by just saying shout out to the Phoenix fans too. That crowd was absolutely wild. You know, going into this series, I, I kind of figured, hey, the Suns have kind of been a middling franchise for a decade now. Most Suns games, people tend to go to for the opposing crowd over this past decade. It's not like you've been showing up to Suns games to watch Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe and Dragon Bender. So when people go to Suns games, it's typically to watch who they're playing against. I thought that we could somewhat invade their home court advantage, and we did see Lakers game, uh, Lakers jerseys during that game. There were some some purple and gold fans that showed out. I was thinking maybe like since Phoenix is so close to LA, could we get fifteen to to thirty percent of of their uh, of their uh, arena? Um, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. The Suns fans were loud and in effect. A fun, a fun uh, little stat from last night because late in that game there was a beat LA chant that got going. Um, yes, there was. The Suns that fans got and I, really glad. bold. Yeah, I I literally time stamped once I heard the the beat LA chants because that was around eight minutes left in the game. The score had just got a uh, you know put to to a one point deficit for Phoenix. They were behind by one. LA was at eighty four. Phoenix was at eighty three. And the game ends uh, with a 25-19 to 19 run after those beat L.A. chants. And we obviously <laughs> take the win. So I needed to track that, see how the team would, would perform after that. And I think the crowd really hyped, hyped the team up. It was great to see. Yes. Uh, it, it, felt, it feels good to feel a certain type of emotion because of a crowd. We didn't mm-hmm. get that last year. But having an, an opponent or opposing crowd make you mad it's something that i haven't haven't felt in a while and feels good yeah those those bla chants got under my skin and i was really hoping the team reacted and, and uh made a run after that which is why i just had to put down like the timestamp when i heard those chants 
And I'm like, let's let's see, let's get a reaction. And LeBron certainly reacted because he he went yeah. off in that fourth quarter. He looked at the crowd. <laughs> yeah, he he carried us, put us on his shoulders. Anthony Davis hit a big three uh, to help close things out. Just great performance from our stars. Well, Anthony Davis was he still had a very mixed performance, but he showed up down the stretch of the end, especially defensively. He was clamping up and. You know, oh my goodness! The last led to a like sequence or like there was like a five minute stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was like a five minute stretch where he where like the whole team just locked them up and they had like three straight turnovers and the defensive switches. I I think I tweeted that it watching the Lakers defense switch is like it's just mm-hmm. art. Yeah, certainly. I and I've pivoted from my strategy of trapping Devin Booker. Not that I don't. I think we should completely go away from that. There were times that it worked. So. He's a guy that you don't want to give him just one look anyway. We shouldn't just trap every time he runs a pick and roll. We got to switch it up. And switching is one of the things that could, could really help. Um, because there was you know, another play in regards to switching where Caruso ended up switched out on DeAndre Aiden. And Aiden had such really good post positioning on that play. So Phoenix was almost forced to let him post up against Caruso. But... Caruso was fronting and playing him really hard and trying to push him out. And then we were bringing help at all the right times to make Aiden just kick it back out. Phoenix got late in the shot clock. They were just kind of forced to really see what Aiden could do post up. They passed it back into him. Uh, He makes a move. Anthony Davis recovers and blocks him at the rim and right at the buzzer, too. It was amazing. They were playing really good defense down the stretch. And that's where my faith in this team has always been. Uh, our ability to defend on that end. I think that does kind of lead me to segue into the Gasol minutes, though, because mm-hmm. he was mixed on that end. We we saw some examples of him playing up higher in ball screens, containing the ball handler, and then just trying to get back to his man. But he was getting targeted downhill when they were trying oh, yeah. to just run at him and get to the rim campaign had some good looks at the rim just driving at Gasol Devin Booker obviously had some as well Um, I think he did a decent enough job when Chris Paul was involved but Chris Paul obviously is not 100% right now that was a huge huge thing to watch in this game as well because you know for me during the first half of the game when he was he was he started a bit slow and it seemed like he was injured and then he started to make some magic happen in the mid-range, was getting shots over us. And I'm like, okay, maybe the shoulder thing isn't all that bad. And then he's just on the bench for a really long time. He didn't play too many minutes in what was ultimately a a pretty close game. Um, You know, let me check his... Yeah, he played less than 23 minutes. 20, 22 minutes, He played a few in the fourth quarter, yeah. His tape was super. I like the the tape on his shoulder. Yeah, clearly it it was not doing enough for him. I I feel for Phoenix fans that he I do for sure isn't isn't a hundred percent in this series. I really would have loved to to go up against Phoenix a hundred percent because I I'm I've been confident this whole time that we could take them at a hundred percent if we were a hundred percent. So it, I know that if we do now beat them, there will be all these. Uh, you know, reasons of oh, Chris Paul wasn't 100 yeah. percent, which is true. But at the same time, I think we could have beat them without him. So it also really sucks from a competitive standpoint not to be able to 
go up against that team at 100% and say, hey, we took your best shot and we won. Yeah, but if you if people want to pull that, then like AD, LeBron, yeah. and Schroeder, they're not 100%. So, oh, yeah, I mean, I mean it's like, yeah, I'm totally ignoring anyone that has that take anyway because people were— It makes were, sense, but it, it can't— Yeah, yeah it's jokes like were flying at our expense when we did not look healthy to end the season and— you know, teams were saying that we wouldn't we wouldn't make this run and we weren't going to go back to back. So there's been some Lakers doubt because of our injury. So uh, as much as I feel for Phoenix, if they end up losing because of Chris Paul's injury, they just try again next year. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they have a good foundation. It's not like mm-hmm. they're all 35 and they're about to retire. So yeah, I do feel for Chris Paul. I, uh, it doesn't look like he's going to play next game. I don't know the official report, but... Cam Cam Payne just he balled out and like it was so funny because there was a point to where you're like is is putting Chris Paul in at fifty percent even worth taking campaign out and I know he subbed in out or for Devin Booker for a little bit but if I told you while well, like three years ago that in a playoff game campaign was gonna outplay Chris Paul. You would have called me crazy, but you know that's Definitely just that's yeah. just how the playoffs go. There's always there's always a, a performance where you're like, how did that happen? Yeah, watching that game, I I feel like Devin Booker did not play as many minutes as he ultimately ended up playing. I'm I'm looking through the box score now. I'm surprised to see he played 40 minutes. It didn't feel like that. I felt like there was a long stretch in the fourth where he was not in, and we we took advantage. But wow, he. He uh, he kind of had a mixed game as well. Um, in the first half, 41%. He, wasn't, he was most yeah. Yeah, I think we did a good job defending him in the first half, but then the second half, then he, it fell off. He yeah. started to heat up. I do also want to shout out Dennis Schroeder for this game. Um, you know, we we've we've had some criticisms of, of Schroeder um, since this pod started. Uh, namely, he was returning back from that uh, stretch where he was out due to protocol and. He did not look like he was back in condition, and I've always had my issues with Schroeder's shot selection at times, whether um, I think he should pass a bit more often and problems with his turnovers, but Dennis Schroeder came through for us tonight. I was making notes throughout this game, and I organized it by quarter to quarter, and there was a point in the second quarter where I had a note about the offense being very LeBron-reliant, and I really wish that Dennis could give us some more juice in the half court. And then I think a minute or two after that, he starts going off in the second quarter. And he really, he kept that lead for us because we end the first quarter and it's 30 to 24. I really like the defense hold Phoenix 24 points. It could have been better. Defense always can be, but you know, 30 points from our offense and holding them to 24. That was a, a good quarter for us. And then we start the second and, are unable to score there is like the first six minutes of the second quarter we put up like two points the offense has been bad and we have to figure out ways to to make it better during those bench stretches um and that that was that was the time where gasol was in and i feel like uh man i really need him to shoot more and to not be hesitant because I don't know if it was in the second or third, but we talked about it in chat, that one play where he just (laughs) 
tries to make the extra pass and there's a shot clock violation oh, where the because clock he, ran out yeah yeah because he didn't just take the open three that he had and it's like he's he's always looking for the best look <laughs> and i understand that but man we we need you as a spacing threat and and this has been my issue with gasol for a lot of the season where it's like he's a good three-point shooter he had a elite three-point percentage this year but he does not take a lot defenses know he does not take a lot and that he does not really want to take a lot and they'll sag off of him and let him burn you the one or two times he takes a three because they know like the five or seven times a game that he's out on the key open at the top he's not even looking at the basket and they'll just pass it anyway so you can sag off of him knowing he's not really gonna take that attempt it hurts the offense it it really does seeing him make those extra passes that was kind of a theme kcp did not look to be confident at all in this game he was missing, <laughs> he had zero points he was missing open looks and yeah there was another play where he tries to make the extra pass to dennis schroeder who's a worse three-point shooter so it doesn't make sense kcp you're open on the wing take that three and lebron got into him after that yeah uh, after that. that play yeah he you know, they they get that on camera. LeBron's going up to him after that timeout that got called. Too, yeah. yeah, he was he was in his face. You know, like, I pass it to you. I want you to shoot. Uh, just really trying to instill some confidence in KCP. You're the best three point shooter on the team. If you're not hitting those shots, our alternative is like it, Wesley Matthews is the first alternative. But like, if it really continues to be bad over this series, we might really have to put in Ben McLemore, who's not a great defensive player and it's probably going to get targeted by phoenix's guards but that might be our only option if we can't get any three-point shooting from from kenny and we're gonna need that shot falling hopefully going back <laughs> to la uh fixes those whatever issues are going on with him if it, it i'm hoping it's more of a mental thing than a physical thing with him and he needs to just get it, out of his is. head yeah because he was it he is. was off the side of the backboard on on He's he's had off the side of the backboard like a few times in the past couple games, so he, he hits it's those concerning. PGs. Yeah, it's concerning. It is, but he's a streaky shooter, and once he turns that switch off, or once he turns that switch on, then mm-hmm. be careful because I'd, I I I kind of you know if I'm pretty confident that Contavious Caldwell Pope is not going to score zero points in 31 minutes next game, you know. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. So, it's just one of those rebound type of games that he's going to have. And, I mean, at least he's just not a shooter. Like, not just a shooter. At least on defense, he was certainly capable against Booker. Even Booker, you know, it's just great offense beating great defense. But it's good to have – it's good to have someone to where you don't need to switch at all. And, you know, it's it's – I'm basically just trying to say that KCP is, even if he shoots like nothing at all and he had zero points, he still had the, oh yeah, he had the most, did he have the most plus minus? He had like 22 or something and he literally made zero points. Yeah, he had something he, like that. He's he's always going to play with effort. Um, you know, he, yeah, he had a plus 19 in the box score, which yeah, is a game high as I'm looking through. Um, yeah. Or at least for us. Yeah. That's bonkers because... Yeah, like we said, he's literally did nothing on offense, but somehow he had the most plus minus. So you know, it's good to have that. It's good to have a player that is reliable on defense because it's pretty hard to be bad 
defensively as it is as a shooter. So, you know, I'm still thankful for that, even if he can get some criticism on the offensive side. Yeah, I, I know we spend a lot of time talking more about the role player performances than the uh, superstars on the team. But, you know, th- these guys are what it's going to take for us to win this series. I'm I'm confident. Like, Anthony Davis was outlier bad in game one. I, you know, after the after my rewatch, I don't think LeBron was as bad as I initially felt, but he certainly was not at the level of aggression, passive. yeah, or attack that yeah. we needed to get that game. Game two, I still think he was pretty passive. I was very annoyed with a lot of possessions where he's at the top of the key and the ball just leaves his hand way too soon, and without him really even making an effort to get a good look for himself. So I think that's something I want to see improve over the course of the series and over the course of the playoffs. But Anthony Davis, let's let's uh, pivot into him because um, before I give my take, I'm curious, what did you think of his performance tonight? Tonight, um, I don't know if he plays tonight, but last. Oh, night. I mean uh, last night, yeah, uh, me. yeah, no, last night he he was solid. Um, mm-hmm. You'd expect it. I, I don't think anyone expected him to repeat what he did in Game One. He literally said to himself that you can blame it on me all you want. So you expected a rebound and nothing less because AD is that type of player, especially in the playoffs, because that game was literally his worst by a mile. He's His playoff numbers are ridiculous if you want to look them up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it was to be expected, but there's obviously some improvements to be made, especially on the defensive side. Andre Drummond was getting almost feasted on again by DeAndre Ayton because Ayton is a monster still. So I did like the – I liked how good of a closer Davis was because it seems like almost every intense game in the playoffs has been kind of – there's always been an Anthony Davis dagger. You saw it with the Nuggets with the – with that. Then you also saw it in the finals with the Heat. And I believe in the Warriors he made a three, the Warriors game. I might be wrong. But it seems like whenever AD is taking the shots that he excels at, especially on the perimeter, then... Because if you're thinking about it, the other defense, the opponent's defense, is not looking to guard AD on the perimeter, especially in clutch time. Mm -hmm. Normally, because LeBron is slashing and usually makes it at a... Hall of Fame rate, but even in that game where he wasn't slashing as much, and you know we can probably attribute it to his ankle. That is, it's it's pretty evident that it's still bothering him. But AD, even AD, like as he was closing outside of that shot as well, he also had a awesome pick and roll action with LeBron, where LeBron got on the wing. Did his? I don't know if he did his little signature move where he looked down at the ball because there was no one in front of him. But he still he still hit the shot and he had amazing defense towards the end. But just to keep it consistent throughout the whole game to the point because they were up fifteen. Mm-hmm. If it'd be awesome if that energy was there the whole game, so it wouldn't have camp campaign wouldn't have the opportunity to even hit like game tying threes that'd be awesome and i'm sure he he'll be he'll be he'll be he'll be there so it's it's certainly great to see him meet the expectations of rebounding from the last game 
Yeah, I'm looking at his box score now, and I'm a bit surprised by how, how good it actually looks. Be you know, I thought he had a mixed game, but he ends with 34 points. He was a plus six on the night. He had 10 rebounds. He had seven assists. He had a steal, and he had three blocks. So, you know, all of that at 47% from the field and, you know, 50%, he was two of four from three on top of 18 of 21 free throws on the night. So monster numbers from Anthony Davis. I still don't really love the, so the shot selection that he and LeBron have been going with in this series. A lot of jumpers, and I think that bails, bails out Phoenix. I will say that Anthony Davis was more aggressive trying to establish himself closer to the rim. That's evident in the free throw numbers. They had no answers for him at all. He was fouling out their entire front court pretty much. Dre Jay Crowder was picking up quick fouls every time he subbed into the game. DeAndre Ayton was fouling a lot as well. Um, who else? Tory. They brought in Tory Craig to pick up some fouls on him or something too. Uh, so I think Anthony Davis, whether or not he's making those shots close to the rim, his aggressiveness will put... Phoenix in foul trouble, get us into the bonus early, and we're a shaky free throw shooting team, but hopefully those are points that we can cash in on and help us get to wins. I think the free throw discrepancy is something that a lot of people are going to be focused on, but I think that's just a result of Phoenix not being capable at guarding us, and that's going to lead to fouls. They just can't handle the size we have in the front court. So I, I think Drummond's going to get to the line. Anthony Davis is going to get to the line. If LeBron ever decides to get aggressive, he can get to the line in this series as well. He he took nine three-point attempts. He's not getting to the free throw line taking nine, nine three-point attempts. He took one free throw. I don't – I one free throw attempt that clearly doesn't – he means he, he wasn't fouled or – no, there was an and one. I think there was an and one, and that's why he had the one free throw attempt. But we're, we're going to need more aggression from him. Um, like I would like to see him driving against those mismatches. I saw a guy clear out at the top of the key, put your head down. And it's, it is a bit difficult because they've started to zone up on him when he has the ball. Like if, you, if you'll lock in on LeBron when he gets the possession, they almost immediately go zone. Against Anthony Davis, they're just trying to front against him in the post. They're trying to double team, um, be really physical and aggressive. They're doing a good job at it, but that's going to get them in foul trouble. And we need to, to push the issue. If Chris Paul is in the game, you know, he's in the game, whether injured or healthy. We we have got to go at him and really make him work defensively so he doesn't have the energy offensively. And Phoenix is clearly trying to spare him like he the shoulder is hurting. Um, it's a difficult thing, but. You got to go at the guy. He's out there, and that is kind of a, a disadvantage for his team in a way for him to be out there because if you'll notice, they don't have him bringing the ball up because our guys will defend 94 feet. Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, they're, they're at the point of attack early, and there's just no reason to give Chris Paul that extra stress. So campaign is bringing it up more often. Devin Booker will be bringing it up more often we don't have that way to stress Chris Paul when, you know, he's on offense. So defensively, put him in screens, 
try and isolate against him, try and post up against him, make him really work for the night while he's out there in his minutes. Yeah, like you said with Chris Paul, I guess I'll quote the old Karate Kid movie. Mm-hmm. You got to strike first, strike hard, and with yeah. no mercy, even even with the, the shoulder injury. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious from from your. I haven't done my rewatch of the game yet. I'm probably planning on doing that a bit later in the in the day. So from a coaching perspective on Phoenix's end, um, what do you think is their their biggest counter? What are they What are they trying to adjust in Game Three to to come out with a win? Well, I think first of all, that's a great transition into us kind of forecasting mm-hmm. the Game Three, but. I think some counters is, I mean, Chris Paul being hurt certainly does not help because he's sort of the engine of that. And if you put Booker as the main distributor, then that's just going to wear him out because, you know, he needs a little more rest. Although campaign, I don't expect him to have the same performance as game two. If he does, then congrats to him because he's also doing it with a black eye. I don't know where he got a black eye, but that was super random. But... You know, I think it's quite dependent on Chris Paul's health, but I think we'll assume either he doesn't play or he plays sub-20 minutes. So if that's the case, then say you play inside out, meaning try to focus with Aiton because what's been consistent throughout the two games is Aiton has been feasting. He's been barbecue chicken in, in the post, and so... Try to get a pick-and-roll game going with him and Booker and then hope that your shooters in Jay Crowder, Saric maybe, Mikael Bridges, hope they're open and hit their shots because I think that's they're really limited. Like you said last pod, there's, there's, their ceiling is super low because mm-hmm. they just don't have as much talent as the Lakers do. So play – if I was to be their coach and I somehow got hired in the next days and had to fly to – Los Angeles and coach them, then I would just say, you know, focus on Aiton and Booker on the pick and roll. And that, I think, somehow, someway has to open up the shooters and just hope they hit their shots and just play play good defense, I guess. that's It's pretty simple. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying on that. I think some more pick and roll for Aiton and Booker can be helpful. There is a guy on their bench that I think if, if Chris Paul won't be – his minutes won't be up there. Um, each one more might be interesting to, to give him some run and see what can come from that because he he is a three-point shooter. He's a guy who can occasionally attack a closeout and, you know, make something happen at that point. There, he, there could use the additional spacing because, you know, regardless of who's out there, the Lakers will probably still occasionally trap. They'll still occasionally hedge when Devin Booker catches or tries to run pick and roll and he's he's a guy that could burn the Lakers when when those doubles start to come especially since Phoenix has done such a good job of finding their shooters Jay Crowder didn't have that great of a three-point shooting night he was 0-4 at one point but then hits a clutch one in the corner that Alex Caruso fouls him on so it ends up being a four-point play but Etuan Moore is a guy that I would you know, at least trying to give him some run. If if Chris Paul is going to be out, Monty Williams has gone to this bench, and I think this is an opportunity to try and see if there's anyone there that could give you some life. Um, I'm look. I'm searching his numbers for this season. Oh, 
wow, yikes, he actually was <laughs> a really bad three-point shooter for Phoenix this year. It was only on one attempt, but 31%. Uh, I I would still trust a guy who who has you know a, a track record and a reputation as a shooter. Regardless of the bad percentage this year, he is a 38, pretty much 39% career three-point shooter. So give him some run, try and see what see what you can get. Like I said, I don't think they have that many great counters, but I think the zone will be interesting. I know we especially saw zone defense a lot last season and then into the finals up against Miami. I think we know how to attack it well, but if you're trying to scheme for counters, it might just kind of be your best option with our shooters missing right now and you know try and keep it in, in KCP's head that those those shots aren't falling. Yeah, you want to. It certainly helps to be in the mental. If you can get into the mental space, then you saw with the. Although that's going to be super hard because the cra- the crowd in in Phoenix was awesome for the playoff atmosphere, but it was also awesome for the players because you saw when there were streaks uh, with with them hitting three-point shots and the crowd went crazy and you know that could backfire with LeBron and AD going crazy at the end but it did those those streaks of of points where they come back from 15 the crowd has a huge factor into that in my opinion but if you can somehow try to get into the mental space of KCP LeBron I don't know how easy that's going to be for them but Mm -hmm. that they're, they're just super limited a lot has to go right so there's there's a certain expectation that the Lakers just have to meet, and it's it's not as high as it was for Game Two. So that's something to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, I mean, playing the mental game could be could be something that works to Phoenix' advantage here. I saw Jay Crowder after that and one uh, four point play three that he had because oh, he, yeah. <laughs> he hit that he hit that right in front of the Lakers bench. He did. He gets up and he's talking to Trez. Talking. Uh, you, you can yeah. see some of the guys on the bench are taking offense to the trash talk, and it's like. Okay, like I think this has been a super fun competitive series. It's been my favorite of the playoffs, um, totally because I think just the competitiveness in this series. These guys are really trying to go at each other. They're trash talking. That hasn't been there in every series, and I just think it it adds an extra fun element. But to try and transition out of uh, the Lakers specific stuff and into some more general NBA outside of this Lakers Phoenix series, which has been my favorite. Which which one is you know the one that you're paying most attention to? Um, you know we can talk about the Clippers and their massive uh, failures so far, going down 0-2 despite home court. We can talk about how uh, Milwaukee has been conquering their demons in Miami and you know took a 2-0 lead up against them, or uh, you know one of the the other series. Um... We can certainly do that, but before we do get to that, do you have any final predictions for the for the Lakers and Suns game three? Who's the biggest factor on both both teams? Yeah. Okay. Well, the the biggest factor for Phoenix will will be Devin Booker. I kind of wanted to just you know maybe go with like campaign because he'll do he'll play minutes for for CP if he's still hurt and maybe Aiden because he's been big, but Devin Booker is gonna be the best player on that team and he was the best player on the court period in game one that helped them win 
So, oh, for sure. You know, if he can sure. if he can rise to that level and just be our good defense, that's something that could really change things around and, and help Phoenix take the game, even if Chris Paul is a diminished version of himself. For the Lakers, I think the X factor is still going to be Anthony Davis because we kind of rely on his aggression. His aggression opens up our attack in other areas. Same with LeBron. We don't have an offense. Our offense is simply let those guys attack and the gravity and defensive attention that they draw as a result of their skill and their ability, that'll open up the game to everybody else. So we're going to rely on Anthony Davis's aggressiveness and, you know, it's going to be as, as how far that, that takes us. Okay. I I can agree with a lot a lot with you said. I do think Booker is the obvious answer for that. I mean, I'm going to go with his sneaky one in Crowder. Mm-hmm. Maybe if he just hits his shots, he'll be super and play some good defense, then he'll be the factor for me. But I can't really argue Crowder over Booker, especially with their impact yeah. and different stuff. But, yeah, I agree. The Lakers are set up quite nicely to play to play and win the game. So hopefully that does happen. And, you know, it a 2-1 advantage for – for the Lakers is certain is 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 pretty helpful, yeah. especially being down. And we've taken home court advantage. The, yeah, you that that certainly does help. So, so yeah, you were asking me about the outside of the Lakers because yeah. So I I think my most interesting one. I mean, the Clippers and the Mavericks is interesting just because of how fun. <laughs> How funny the Clippers are just blowing it, but I think last year the Clippers just got so much slander to where I'm just so used to it. Mm-hmm. And well, let me ask you this: Do you think if the Clippers, do you think whether the Clippers get swept by the Mavericks or not, would that change how embarrassing? Would it be more embarrassing if they got? Does it even matter how the series goes? So let's just say the Mavericks win. Do you think it matters? And how much they win by to determine whether that's more embarrassing than last year? Oh, yeah. I think if they get swept, I don't know if that's... Yeah, that's more embarrassing than last year. That is... Yeah, I think it's more yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, it's more embarrassing. Because they tanked. Yeah. They tanked. Like, you tanked to get this matchup, and then you get swept, and this is a team you beat last year, and Mavericks fans have been making the claim all season that they would have won that series had Porzingis not got hurt and then got uh, ejected from that game one. And Clippers fans have been fighting them on that. And this was your chance to prove that and shut Mavericks fans up. And then they get sweeped. So then now you have not only Lakers fans who will be trash-talking them. You have the Nuggets fans who are still trash-talking them about a blown 3-1 lead. And on top of that, Mavericks fans will have a lot more ammo to go at you too. So at that point, just move the Clippers to Seattle, in my opinion. But Yes, thank you. They're <laughs> uh, cursed. They're cursed. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is not a good look for the Clippers, and we can start there. Because like you said, they tanked for this matchup. They they ducked smoke from the Lakers. They ducked smoke from Portland. And to me, ducking smoke from Portland is ridiculous. I understand not wanting to play the Lakers, but ducking Portland, they have no one to defend your wings. Like, it would just be Robert Covington and, like, Maybe they're forced to play Derrick Jones Jr. and then he messes Derek, up their yeah, offense. Derek Jones Jr. So that team 
is the one you wanted to duck. I like I get the whole Damian Lillard thing, but wow, you like you have at least solid guard defenders. You have Patrick Beverly, who is still a solid guard defender. You have Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo, our guy, um, who could then come in and take a matchup against Damian Lillard. He at least has the IQ for that matchup. We saw him perform well in that matchup when he was in New Orleans, and they swept Portland. Man, yeah. this was... With Drew. I really hate this for my guy Ty Lue because, you know, he was that 2016 head coach for Cleveland. He's my guy. He was part of that 3-1 comeback for the Cavs. So I, I kind of wish the best for him, but at the same time, he's a Clippers head coach now, so I can't wish too good for him. But, man, this... Down, down, out, and you had home court, and now you're going to Dallas for two games. These are must-win games. These are these are must-win games. You you don't want to go down three-one. You definitely or 3-0. Yeah, you, you don't want to go down three-zero. Like you need both of these games. You do, and I, yeah, I just don't know how that was gonna go because I I legitimately thought the Clippers were. I don't know what even convinced me because last year I was super high on the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Then they didn't let me down. I was happy they lost because they're the Clippers. But I also felt this year that they were better than last year. But evidently that's the opposite. So, I mean, super, super far prediction. Mm-hmm. Would you say Kawhi stays if they do lose in the first round? Uh, I think he does. Yeah, I I think he stays just because. For two years. Yeah. For like, two years, though. He, he came here for other personal reasons outside of basketball if he cared about stacking the deck like a whole lot and just being a part of a super super team he would have came to the lakers when he had the opportunity to join up with lebron and if he that would have been terrible (laughs) if he wanted to just stay in toronto he could have been competitive in the eastern conference um you know yeah i think they would have made the finals last year i think clearly he did not want to be in that market for personal reasons he yeah. wanted to be in Texas LA. Taxes are high. And then super cold. For whatever Kawhi reasons he wanted to be on the Clippers over the Lakers. I I don't Uncle Dennis. Yeah, I don't I don't know what changes after after two years. Um I mean there are the playoff disappointments, but if you still want to be in LA then I don't see that much of a path for getting to the Lakers now and it would kind of be an embarrassing hit to his brand to, to then flip sides and join the Lakers after he couldn't get it done with the Clippers that that'll that'll take a hit to your legacy um not not that it, Kawhi might not care about that stuff but I think that'll at least get narrative stuff around him going I you might just be forced to stick it out with the Clippers and hey at the end of the day you're you getting home cooking and can show up whenever you want because the the team planes and buses don't leave without you yeah, I think Kawhi, like, I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head. I don't think he's truly striving for rings like mm. many other players. I think, I wouldn't say he's satisfied because then he wouldn't be balling out like he has for the past few years. Like, he's been really good outside of the game seven against the Nuggets. He's been, he's been Kawhi, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I do think he's, I don't know how hard or how, how much of his desire to win would be, but like. I've seen a lot of Warriors photoshops. I've seen a lot of Heat photoshops. 
him going back to Toronto would be hilarious, but I think it's too little too late to do that. Mm. But, you know, I, I do want to see Uncle Dennis back in action in free agency. That that was a hilarious time to be alive. Yeah, it, it could be interesting. I mean, I've been thinking over the whole return to Toronto thing. I also would like to point out that uh, New York has, has some max space and they look good. I think they're a wild card in this. There's always the speculation of oh is this is X superstar going to the Knicks, but I think they kind of have a now. legit yeah. shot now. I mean, they have Max Space, maybe bring in Kyle Lowry as well, reunite that duo, and I don't know if they'd have to part with Julius Randle in that situation. I don't know their their cap dynamics, but even they still, they have R.J. Barrett likely still there. He's pretty good young wing developing there, and then to to start. Kyle Lowry, R.J. Barrett, and then Kawhi at the three is pretty nice. Keep Nerlens Noel there. He's had a solid defensive year. Mitchell Robinson. That's a decent enough team in the in the East to get my interest. I don't think they're better than the top-end teams like Brooklyn, but that's an exciting team to have in the Garden. Yeah, but enough of Kawhi talk. We, you know, we don't need to talk about a Clipper for that yeah, long. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the playoffs. We can transition this in, uh, into yeah. a few of so these to wrap other it up, series. Yeah. yeah, to wrap it up with a, a little bit of a shorter pod, um, I'm going to play the same game we did last time where you basically tell me your prediction and the biggest factor, but this time you get two words mm-hmm. Okay. to describe why they would win that, okay? So we're going, we're, we're going baby steps here, mm-hmm. going a little higher every time. And then hopefully by the finals, maybe a whole sentence or two will be there. Okay. So um, all starting right. off today as of recording, it is the, Wiz- <laughs> the Wizards and the 76ers for game two. Okay. In that game, X Factor, well, winner is going to be the Sixers. Their X Factor will be Joel Embiid. Um, unguardable post player. It's three words, but so what? We'll count it. We'll, <laughs> we'll count it. We'll count it. That's fine. So for game two, I, I do think this year is going to be super entertaining. Not the one we just talked about, but the one I'm about to mention. The Hawks and the Knicks, mm. second time in the Garden. And I, the, the whole Trey thing has been, I don't know, it's still news now. There's been like, even the mayor de blagio or something even he's talking about trey young i don't know if that's just for political purposes to get to get votes or something but like when the mayor's talking about you that just seems a little too much in my opinion but who do you have in that in game two at the garden game two i've got new york taking it and the x-factor player will be julius randall because he'll be having a bounce back my two words are bounce back then Okay, okay. So for game two of the Grizzlies and the Jazz series, it is at 9 o'clock for Central Time, 10 o'clock Eastern. That's also an interesting series. Mm-hmm. They, the team names don't pop out, but if you just disregard that, then the, the games game one was super entertaining, and Donovan Mitchell should be back, but who do you have for that? I'm interested to see who you, who you do have. So for this game, I have... Utah winning this and I think the their X Factor player will be Mitchell since he's returning. Um just being back. 
my words. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's great. So for the third game of the Bucks and the Heat, that's the first game three. That is third. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah, today's Wednesday. I'm losing track of time here. But tomorrow is Thursday, and it is at 6.30 Central Time. It is the Bucks at the Heat. The Heat are down 2-0, and they got destroyed in Game 2. So who do you have? Do you have the Bucks going up 3-0, or do you have the Heat trying to make a comeback? I've got the Bucks. I've got the Bucks, and the uh, key reason will be Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the reason will be because he's still an MVP. So, you know... My words on I mean, that. Technically, is, yeah. he's he's still the still the MVP of the league until Jokic gets yeah, he's gets crowned that reigning MVP, and he put that on display last game. Yep. Also, is the shooting sleeve accessory, or did he mess up his arm? So he did. Um, there was like a play where his arm got kind of grabbed. It seems like it's there's some pain. So I think the shooting sleeve was was added after after the fact. He like went back to the trainers or something and they were the one that they gave him that so i don't think it's an accessory his arm yeah i i think he might have it probably to the end of the series see how his arm heals i mean it looks good so Mm. kind of ironic to have a shooting sleeve on Giannis, (laughs) but for the we already said for game three of the suns and lakers which is at nine o'clock on thursday Mm-hmm. So there's just yeah it's just um yeah there's game three to wrap the last three oh yeah there's four game threes who do you have for the or well no because we we're not gonna repeat the Knicks and the Hawks for game three so for game three of the Nuggets and the Trailblazers it's tied one one and it is at Portland this time so who do you have for that game I have. That's a tough one. Yeah. This series has been super difficult for me because I've been wrong like each game. I thought the Nuggets would win uh in that game one, Portland won. Then I thought the that I thought Portland would take game two and Nuggets took that one. So whatever I predict is probably just gonna be wrong. So I'm gonna reverse psychology and pick the Nuggets in this one. Their X factor on this will be Michael Porter Jr. And the reason okay. will be because he takes he takes shots on the basketball court only. Yeah. He takes shots. Okay, takes takes shots. Okay. So we already said Knicks Hawks for game two. So for the Nets and the Celtics game three, that is Friday, May the twenty eighth, at thirty minutes past seven. Hmm. I mean, this is probably the worst series out of all of them. Yeah. I mean Yeah, can we mercy rule yeah. this series? I didn't even watch. Yeah, game we can two, just stop to it. To be right honest, now. I I wanted to put it on, but then I'm like, uh, I don't I don't really care. Blake Griffin is back, I guess. Yeah, Blake Griffin dunked like twice in in under a minute. So yeah, we we were all lied to. We were hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray. All of those words. Shout out to Stephen A. Yeah, but we'll, we're not even gonna we're not even gonna talk about that series. We're just gonna skip it. So for the last game. It is the the Clippers and the Mavericks. It is at Dallas. It's, it just feels weird now that they're down 2-0. But mm-hmm. regardless, who do you have for that game? Uh, I, I I don't think they're going to get sweeped. Just like you, I've been wrong about the Clippers this entire time. I believed in them last year. I thought they were 
pretty good team. They showed not to be. I thought they were even better this season. They're looking worse and more embarrassing. But I, I can't bring myself to think they're getting swept. So I think they will take. That'd this be game hilarious. Three. That'd be so funny. <laughs> I think they'll take game three, and I think the reason. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, bank on Kawhi this time. I said Paul George last time, and then, well, they went down. He was all right. He he, he does he, get. He, I think the, the the memes are they're still funny because we're Lakers fans. But like if we're if we're being honest with ourselves, he has been playing up to par throughout the playoffs so far. Yeah, and even that game Ooh, one where, where he had Pandemic P trending in like ten minutes, he he, he started off. Yeah, he he was like one of seven. He was terrible. But then he like cleaned up his box score numbers a bit. Uh, was good for them down the stretch. So uh, he he does get a bit. At over-hated. some point, one of them is. Yeah, for sure. But it's funny. Yeah. But at some point, either him or Kawhi are gonna have to guard Luca because that's you can't just have guards switching on to them. You can't just have Reggie Jackson and Patrick Beverly guarding him. I mean, you saw Luca say to Patrick Beverly, "He's too small," yeah. and he's not wrong. So. Yeah, I guess that about does it for the podcast. Those were Dolos' predictions. I I would only disagree with the Nuggets one. I have the Nuggets on that one. The Celtics, I have them coming back and winning four in a row. I do have the – I'm just playing. That That's a lie. I, I do have the – I have the Heat winning – oh, my phone just fell. I have the, the Heat winning. I just think at some point they're going to win. I don't think they're going to they're gonna win the series anymore. Did you go with the Knicks? I think you did go with the Knicks, right? Yeah, I went with the Knicks. I'm going to go with the Hawks, and I'm going to go with the Grizzlies. So we're, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the 76ers. So that about does it for today's podcast. Hmm. We don't know what the next week is going to be like because I will be on vacay, finally. It's been a long, long year, but I will get some rest. I'm not going to miss the game, so we'll just see how that goes. So make sure to tune in. If you did make it this far, you're awesome. And to show some support, make sure to leave five stars or leave a good review on whichever platform you're on. And also, I'm trying to see why this isn't on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'm going to get that resolved sooner or later. It's a it's it's a weird process with podcasts. But regardless, thank you for listening. Do you have any closing words, Dolos? Um, the only closing words, follow us all on, on uh, social media. You can... Find me on Twitter at Line Layup. Uh, also follow the podcast at Legacy Strive. Make sure you follow Rose as well. He is a good Twitter follow at Rose on YT. Yes, and by the time I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to say for those of you who know me from my from my long ago YouTube game, then June first to mark the date. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you for listening. Bye.